0: Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. In this world, we can be honest with with the, you know, web, you know. With the internet nowadays and entertainment and the people that you surround yourself with, there's so many different things that are pulling you from, from this direction to this direction. And there's so many different ways just to be distracted. And one thing I've learned of life is if the enemy can't destroy you, he's going to distract you. If the enemy cannot destroy you, he's going to distract you with everything that he's got. And it's one thing to raise your hand at an altar call or commit your life to Jesus and repent. But it's another thing to live the next couple weeks for Jesus. Whenever things aren't going too good, because it says in the scripture that it rains on the just and the the unjust. Because the truth is, good things are going to happen to bad people, and bad things are going to happen to good people in life. That's just the world that we live in. And it's my heart's desire that I don't see these students come to Jesus, have an experience with God, and then fall off a couple months or a couple weeks later. I want to see these students on fire for God, where we raise up a next generation in this church, where they are spirit-filled, where they're on fire for God, We're not, they're not the influencee, but they're the influencer. I want to see a church where lives are changed. But one thing I've learned in life is that long-term consistency outweighs short-term intensity. Long-term consistency far outweighs short-term intensity. we can come to jesus and we could be on fire maybe you went to a camp maybe you came up to the front of the altar and you fell in the spirit or you wrote a little bit or you received your prayer language but then you you come to find out it isn't too easy to live for jesus and all of a sudden your fire seems to dwindle and die down because jesus will set your heart on fire but it's your responsibility to stay lit for jesus amen anybody agree with me tonight so I want to talk about how we can stay lit or on fire for Jesus, and this is the key right here. This is the secret. The key and the way that we stay lit is by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this may be a foreign language to you, but I'm going to try to break this down as much as I can. I want to talk about what the anointing is. I don't know. I don't even know if you knew I was going to speak on this tonight, Dad. But you just said the anointing so many different times. I'm like. I think it just really ties in together really well. I want to talk about what the anointing is, why we need the anointing, how we receive the anointing, and how you can walk into the anointing. Anybody excited about that? Awesome. <laughs> See, the anointing makes a really big difference. See, in the Bible priests were anointed, kings were anointed, prophets were anointed. Priests would even anoint certain objects in a temple, and they would consecrate it unto God. Consecrate means to declare something unto God. They would say, this right here, this is God's. We're going to go ahead and put some anointing oil on it. This is God's. See, the definition of anointing is to smear anointment, which is the application of oil. Then we have some oil in that cabinet right there. Didn't we get some oil from somewhere in Africa that pastors prayed over and they sent it over to us? Somebody stole it. Oh, dear Jesus. The devil is a lie. But the anointing definition means to smear anointment. They put it up there. Awesome. On something. Cool. This is from Israel. Isn't that super cool? I'll tell you what, if you've got a demon in you, come up here right now in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? But it means to smear anointment on something. Anointing oil actually represents in the Bible the holy spirit it can represent the power of god it can represent the authority of god the presence of god it can represent somebody that god had anointed and if you want to know one thing about jesus christ it's that he was anointed jesus christ was so anointed see christ wasn't jesus's last name christ was the title that jesus carried christ actually in the hebrew which is the origin of the word, means the anointed one. That's what it means. And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of this world, saw it necessary to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, how much more necessary is it for us and right now and for me and for you and your family to receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost? See, he was perfect, he was without sin, but yet he still needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was anointed to preach Right now, I feel the anointing right now because I know this is what I was called to do. He had the anointing to preach the word of God. See, without the anointing, I'm just a motivational speaker. But with the anointing, I'm a preacher filled with the Holy Ghost that can see lives changed. See, Without the anointing, Alicia and Haley, you guys are just up here making noise, but with the anointing, every time that you step up on here, the presence of the Holy Ghost fills this place, and that's where chains are broken. See, without the anointing in you and your family's life, you are just a parent that's just trying to get by, but whenever you have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you become empowered, and you can do much more than you could have done by yourself. Anybody thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost? This isn't just for priests, this isn't just for preachers, this isn't just for pastors. It isn't just for, you know, prophets. It's for people just like you. Say to yourself, I can receive the anointing. See, without the anointing, I preach information. With the anointing, we release impartation, revelation, manifestation, and all the other (laughs) Asians. The anointing makes all the difference. And the anointing of God is not about the volume. It isn't about the hype. It isn't about the emotion. It isn't any of those things. The anointing of God is the unction. I don't know why I'm holding on to this so long. It's the unction. It's the power of God that moves through an individual. This is the definition of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the overflow of the divine life of God through you as a consecrated servant of the Lord. Say, I'm anointed. It's when the power of God moves through you into every area of life. And here's one thing you got to know. Satan hates the anointing. He, okay, you know what Satan means? It means adversary. It means your enemy. Satan hates you so much, but guess what? He hates you even more whenever you're filled with the Holy Ghost. See, because let me tell you something. He's okay with you thinking that Jesus was a good guy, and he's going to do whatever he can to try to quench that anointing in your life. He's okay with you thinking that Jesus was a good guy, that he was just a rabbi, that he was just a teacher, that he was just a prophet, whatever, whatever. But the moment that you recognize that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, and that he was the Savior, and not only was he that, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and you too can be filled with the Holy Ghost, he starts a trip. That's good. So I'm preaching better than y'all are Amen. And tonight. Come on. See, I want us to be an anointed church. And I know we're an anointed church. I want us to have an anointed generation that is willing to be unashamed for the gospel of Jesus. Not because we're full of religion, but because we're full of the Holy Ghost. Anybody believe that with me today? So let's go ahead and get into scripture. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 19 through 20. Reading in, out of the NIV. And I, thought, I saw it really fitting to talk about this tonight because last week, uh, Pastor Bobby uh, talked about uh, King Saul. What was the sermon last week? What was the name of it again? No, what was, this, what was the name of the sermon last week? I really liked it. He doesn't even remember it. Anybody remember? Okay, okay, let's go ahead and move on. It was really good. It was really trendy. It's kind of lined up. Do it. Do it the most. Do the most. There you go. Doing the most. Stay lit, man. We are a trendy kingdom church. That's what I'm talking about. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 19 through 20. It says this, and I want to break it down here in a second. I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for your donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line. So pretty much what we f- find right here in the scripture, we find this guy by the name of Saul. And, and he's, a, he's a part of this tribe called the Benjamites, I believe, or the Benjamin tribe, right? And this is the smallest tribe of Israel. See, tr- Israel is made up of 12 different tribes. And he's a part of the smallest tribe. And him and his family, they had lost a couple of donkeys. So this guy, he was a good-looking guy. He, he had played the part of just a good-looking, handsome, strong, tall guy, right? He had went out to go find the donkeys that his family had lost. And whenever he went out to go find the donkeys that his family had lost, he couldn't find it anywhere. So he turned to his servant. He said, hey, man, we can't find these donkeys anywhere. He said, okay, I know this guy. He, he's a prophet. He's a, he's a man of God. He can tell us where the donkeys are. So they're like, okay, let's go ahead and talk to Samuel. So Samuel, it says right there that, he, he said that he is a seer. That means that he is a prophet of God, that God, that God can speak to him and tell him what the future is. Whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to him, he can speak it and release it to other people. So as King Saul approaches Samuel, the prophet, with donkeys on his heart, he had, donkey, he had donkeys on his mind, right? He was like, I need to find these donkeys. He had donkeys on his mind, but he had a destiny in his heart. He had donkeys on his mind, But he had a destiny, but destiny was in his heart. See, as he approached the prophet Samuel and he told him about these donkeys, he didn't know it at that time, but God had actually told King, he had actually told the prophet Samuel that, hey, there's going to be a guy that's going to be looking for some donkeys. Go ahead and tell him that the donkeys have been found, but I have a greater purpose for his life, that he's actually going to be the first king of Israel, and there's going to be one thing you've got to know about Satan is that Satan's going to want you to chase donkeys your entire life. He's going to want you to chase thing after thing. He's going to want you to chase after having the most Instagram followers, having the most fame on Facebook, getting the next iPhone, getting that next iPad, going from girlfriend, from, from relationship to relationship, boyfriend to girlfriend, and he's going to try to get you with distraction after distraction after distraction after distraction after distraction distraction. But I want you to, t- to know tonight, I was like, dear God, I am not going to stumble in my words tonight. I just broke it. Dang it. <laughs> there you go. But what he doesn't want you to know is that you have greatness on the inside of you. And it doesn't take a profit to come and tell me what my donkeys are, what my struggles are, what I face, because we can face a lot of different sins. It takes a prophet to come in and go through the donkeys and say, hey, I see a purpose and I see a destiny inside of you. God has called you for great things. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. You need to know tonight that God has called you for greater things than the things that you're chasing after. God has a purpose and he has a plan and he has a destiny for your life i'm so thankful that whenever i was out in high school chasing after donkeys that a man of god like my dad would step into my room every once in a while and he would say hey man god told me that you were dealing with this and that but god says that there's something greater for you he's called you to preach he's called you to be a world changer he's called you to do this he's called you to do that i'm so thankful for moments like that dad because it takes a prophet to do that So donkeys were on his mind, but destiny was in his heart. Don't let your donkeys cloud your destiny and never apologize for the dreams that come from God. Point number one, this is why we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Unrealistic dreams require the anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, not only did Saul have a dream, but Samuel told Saul that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come on him and make him a changed man. And if you want to know something about God, is that whenever you receive something from God, you receive a destiny, you receive a dream, you receive a purpose, that it's going to be so much bigger than yourself. That you're going to say to yourself, Are you serious? Like, God called me to do this? How am I ever going to... And he loves hearing that reaction. How am I going to do... It's not just going to be you. I've called you for something bigger than you could ever imagine. And it's going to require something greater than yourself. See, one thing I've learned in life is that your, edu, your education is important. Your background is important. Your eloquence is important. Your ability is important. But it isn't everything. If you want to fulfill a purpose from above, you got to have some power from above. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. let Let me just tell somebody something. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to raise those kids. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost on your job site. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come to church. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to remain saved. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to cast out demons. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to walk into the fullness of God. You cannot do it by yourself, and God has placed a purpose and a destiny inside of you, and the only way that you can achieve and go to where God has called you to go is by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. See, Samuel was anointed. See, not only not see, and Samuel was anointed, but he anointed King Saul before he was even a king. And he said, hey, I'm going to anoint you for this, and I'm going to call you for that. But why? Because the anointing comes before the appointing. See, no matter the field, whether it's business, education, ministry, or family, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because life is like a vacuum. You're going to continue to have things sucked out of you. You may feel empty at times, but that's when you need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to fill you up, fill you up, fill you up, so that way you can keep on pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. Go to your prayer closet. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for your family. Read the Word of God. There's no secret. It's just sacrifice. It's not a secret. Don't say to yourself, I used to hear men of God preach on stage and see them prophesy to people, and I know that God had spoken into my life. He said, Caleb, you're called to be a prophet. You're called to be a pastor. You're called to be this and be that, and you're anointed. And I used to see by that I prophesy, see and pray over people and see demons get cast out and see different things happen. And to myself, hey, I want that. I used to approach all these men of God and ask them, how do you do that? They say, well, you read the word of God. You, you, you go and you surround yourself with people that have the same values that you have. And you pray in the spirit. It's no secret. It's sacrifice. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But the sad part of the story is, is that later on Saul lost the anointing after being disobedient multiple times and he died in the battle with the Philistines see without the anointing the call of God is dangerous without the anointing the call of God is dangerous but with the anointing you are dangerous come on that's good right there going to my second scripture 1st Samuel chapter 10 verse 11 Continuing with the story of King Saul, it said this, When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Is Saul also among the prophets? Here's my second point. How we receive the anointing. The anointing comes from association. It grows by desperation. The anointing comes from association. It grows by desperation. See the anointing had come. The anointing had came upon Saul's life whenever he started hanging around prophets. Whenever he started hanging around men of God. So whenever he left the place, he was just looking for donkeys, but he found out about his destiny. See, he he dreamt of being king, and there was no other king before him. And whenever he went out and he hung out with the prophets and stuff, and they had saw what was inside of him, and they anointed him. He had came back to his hometown, and he was actually prophesying. He was a new and a changed man. I'm going to tell you something. Whenever you give your life to Jesus, you should become changed. It says those who are in Christ are a new creation. Whenever you come to Jesus, it may not happen overnight, but you begin you begin to become changed, and people are going to see you differently. People are going to say, hey, he's different. He doesn't do the things that he used to do. He didn't say the things that he used to say. He doesn't walk the same way that he used to walk he something's different about him but what they didn't know is that in secret god had anointed you so he had been hanging out with prophets and he had received the anointing and family and friends around him noticed a difference and when you hang around prophets you start prophesying and the truth is whatever you behold you become And when you begin to come to church and you begin to digest the word, you keep on coming whenever you don't even feel like coming, and you begin to read the Bible and you pray to God, you begin begin to become changed. Uh, That's why I intentionally hang out with my dad and work with him at the church. I associate with my dad because I know he's an anointed man of God. I'm so thankful that we have an anointed church. Let me tell you, the same anointing that this church carries, you carry too in your family. And it starts at the head with the pastor, and I don't come to my dad just trying to hang out with him or doing this or do that. I, I approach him and say, hey, I just want to serve. I just want to help out. I just want to be a blessing. See, because whenever you come to church and you do those things that I said it to do, and you surround yourself with Holy Ghost-filled Christians, you're going to begin to become changed. And that's where the anointing creeps in. It's not a secret. It's just surrounding yourself with the right people. Because if you want to change your future, you've got to change your company. Just like the same way, if you started listening to music that has tons of profanity in it, you begin to watch a lot of things that you know you shouldn't be watching. I don't care how long it takes, something's going to slip out. You're going to begin to become changed. That thing's going to rot your mind. You're going to begin to say things that you shouldn't even have said. Why? Because you begin to surround yourself and associate with something that wasn't anointed and that wasn't holy. That's why I want to become anointed. That's why I come to church. That's why I serve. That's why I help out. That's why I pray. Why? Because I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. A woman of God had told me a while back, years and years ago, before I even did what I do now, she had said, Caleb, God has a great destiny and purpose for your life. But, and you're going to grow, and you're going to mature. It's going to take some time. But watch out for some people in your life that are going to be holding you back. Watch out for people that are going to hold you back. See, people are like elevators. They can either bring you up or they can bring you down. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this. Check this out. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you want to become wise, if you want to have wisdom, if you want to have the anointing, then don't hang out with fools. Because let me tell you, you may say to yourself, that's why I don't believe in missionary dating either. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go save that girl, man. She's cute. Man, look at her. They see potential. See, you can find potential in everything. You need to look for patterns in a person. You can find potential in anything. You need to look for patterns. And they say to themselves, I'm going to go. I'm going to save her. She's going to come to church. She's going to be my boo. Come on. Let's go to church. And then like two weeks later, you don't even attend a church, and you're like, God, what happened? You're a missionary dating, okay? See? You need to walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, that's why Jesus spent time away from everybody else and spent time with the father because he needed the anointing. That's why he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. That's why he spent time alone. That's why he surrounded himself with the right spirit. Why? Because he needed the anointing. You need to turn to somebody and say, you are who you hang around or you become who you hang around. <laughs> uh, the continuation of point two, it grows by desperation. So 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 24 says this. It says that he stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He laid, he lay naked all that day and all that night. This is why the people say, Is Saul among the prophets? See, this is kind of like in a correlation, it's kind of similar to the first one that we read about him coming back and prophesying people saying, is he among the prophets? But this is a different circumstance. See, at this point, he was being disobedient unto God, and he was actually trying to hunt down David because David, he saw David as a threat to his throne, and he didn't like that. So he tried to take out David. So what he did, he sent warriors, and he sent people to go and try to take out David. But what had happened was that the same anointing that was on David's life and you know, Samuel's life began to rub off on their life, and they began to fall and prophesy in the presence of God. So he said to himself, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this on my own. So he went ahead, and he tried to go and do it, but he got hit in the same way that his, his servants got hit. And he was down in the presence of God, and he was prophesying. See, he had an association with the Holy Ghost. He had experienced the power of God. And let me tell you something. Sooner or later, your association with God, with his presence, with the experience that you have, has to lead to desperation. Because if you're not desperate after association, that leads to pride. And association without desperation leads to tribulation. I'm going to say that again. Association without desperation leads to tribulation. See, he had experiences with God, and even after his faults, he had experiences with God. He had fallen down even after he was disobedient, but he was never truly desperate. He never repented. Let me tell you guys and and compare and contrast the story of two different Sauls. So you have King Saul, and then you have the other Saul who was a murderer of Christians, and later on he became the Apostle Paul. See, King Saul was out to go and kill David. The Apostle Paul, or at the time Saul, was on the way to go kill Christians in Damascus. And at the time that they had both been out to go do something that they weren't supposed to do, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, hit them. Hit them here and hit him there. Couldn't even move, couldn't even see, couldn't even do anything. For three days he was blind. And even after the experience, even after the full weight of a holy God, there's no denying that there's a God at that point, right? Even after that point in their life, one became an apostate, which means he denounced his religion, he denounced his belief, he denounced his morals and his values, and one became an apostle. See, because an experience doesn't truly change you. It's the desperation that derives from the experiences that you have. And I don't want us to be a church that have great moves of God and we have revivals, but at the end of everything, we're not desperate for more of God. Because let me tell somebody something tonight. You may have think that you've experienced all that God has for you, but whenever you, whenever you say to yourself, I've experienced, I've arrived, that's when you don't make any more progress. I want to be a person who's after God's own, who after God's own heart. He says to myself, just like the Apostle Just like the apostle Paul said himself, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to do it because I'm desperate for you because I'm hungry for you. Do we have any people in this place tonight that's desperate for a move of God? Cause I don't think Victoria saw a, li- a little piece of everything that God has. So I believe that at Covenant Life Center, we're going to be a place where people come in. They come in with walkers. They walk out walking out without the walkers. That we're going to be a place where people come in that are drug addicts, that are dealing with addictions, that whose families are falling apart, that the, they're going to be delivered, that they're going to be made whole, that they're going to become business people. I'm believing that we're going to have troubled youth that are going to walk into this place where people push them aside where society says they have no hope, they have no future, they have no purpose, they're going to be just like their father was. But we accept them and we love on them because we're desperate for a move of God and we love people and we forgive people because God forgave us first and he loved us first. Let us never become professional Christians. Let us be Christians that are desperate for God, that need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel his presence. See, they both had experiences. But the only difference was between the two Saul's is that the apostle Paul became desperate. Point number three, experiences must lead to a hunger for God. And one thing I don't want to ever happen in our lives is that we have an experience with God, but we never become changed. Because the experiences don't change you. It's the hunger that derives from the experiences. See, when it came to King Saul... When it came to King Saul, God replaced him, a man who had it all and who knew it all, with a man after God's own heart, which was David. David was the least likely. They didn't, his brothers didn't think that he was going to be king. He didn't play the part. He didn't play the role. He didn't look like the part. But God saw his heart. And let me tell you something. David was not perfect, but he was persistent. He was not perfect, he was persistent. Why? Because even after he committed adultery, he committed murder, and he did a lot of bad things, he still got on his knees and he said to God, Forgive me. Don't take your presence from me. I need you. I desire you. I love you. If you want to stay on fire for God and you want to have the anointing of God in your life, don't think it's because you're perfect, because you're never going to make a mistake, because you are entitled. No, it's because you're desperate and you serve a God who gave everything for you, and whenever he died on the cross for you, the veil was torn, and the Holy Spirit came and swept in, and every time that you fall short, it says in the Scripture, every person has fallen short of God's glorious standard. You're going to fall short, but you get on your knees. Whenever you fall, you fall in the presence of God and you worship him. You say, God, I'm going to try better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to love better, God. That's what set David apart. I used to be ashamed of what people I used to be thinking about what people thought about me all the time, but something happened in my life where Jesus just grabbed a hold of my heart. He said, Caleb, you don't have to worry about what other people think. You can be desperate for me. You can be desperate for me at the mall. You can be desperate for me By yourself, you can be desperate for me in public, but if you want to be desperate for me in public, you got to be desperate for me in private. And spending time with God in public can never substitute spending time with God in private. And the devil's going to do whatever he can to quench the fire of God in your life, he's going to do whatever he can. He's going to throw every demon, he's going to throw every principality but guess what the greater the attack the greater the anointing i said the greater the attack the greater the anointing the greater the conflict the greater the conflict the greater the calling see the apostle paul he was on the saw he was on the way to go kill christians but now he became a christian and and he preached the gospel and he was filled with the holy ghost and now we read the bible don't you know that you're reading somebody that was a serial killer, that was a murderer, that killed Christians, but we're reading his words today and we're teaching from them? God will use the least likely. And he's going to try to quench your fire in whatever way possible. Here's four ways that the devil tries to quench our fire. I'm about to close. The first way that the devil tries to quench our fire is by offense. See, offenses are going to happen, offenses are inevitable. And the truth is, this church is never gonna be perfect. Why? Because there's no such thing as a perfect person besides Jesus. There's gonna be conflict, there's gonna be issues, people are gonna take things the wrong way. Offenses are inevitable, but being offended is a choice. And some things get planted as a seed. They think this about you, they don't like you. They didn't even invite you to this party whenever they just forgot, but you just say to yourself and you have that inkling in your heart, oh, they just don't like me. they're gonna the devil's gonna try to whisper things in your ear and he's gonna try to say they don't like you they don't accept you they don't love you you know what your husband he did it once he's gonna do it again don't forgive him there's gonna be offense after offense and that right there is gonna clog your heart from receiving the anointing of the holy ghost offense is the devil's trap to kill your fire number two disappointment this is whenever you're believing God for something and it doesn't happen. I believe for this healing, God. I believe in what your word says. My my mother had cancer. I, I prayed for her, God, but she died, God, and she, she's not here anymore. God, I'm I, I believing, God, for a financial breakthrough, God, but now I'm losing my house, God. They're evicting us, God. God, I'm believing for this. My kid, I, I, I literally poured everything out on him. I made him go to church. I made him read the word of God. I made him pray with us. But now he's off doing his old thing. God, why have you failed me? Let me tell you, God's never going to fail you. We have a God that is perfect. He knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He knows beginning to end. But it says in Romans chapter 8, verse twenty, that he works all things together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. Let me tell you something tonight. You are too anointed to be disappointed. You're way too anointed to be disappointed. Number three, busyness. This is whenever you don't have enough time to go to church. You don't have enough time to pray. You don't have enough time to read your Bible. And I'm just going to tell you real quick. If you don't have time for those things, then you're way too busy. You're way too, I don't have time to serve. I don't have the time to do this. I don't have time to do that. You need to clear schedule some. Let me tell you something. Jesus deserves all of our attention. If it's five minutes, 10 minutes praying, whatever you can do, you gotta sacrifice. Because if you don't ever make time for God, you're never gonna have time for God. Number four, materialism. Materialism is not about having stuff. Materialism is whenever stuff has you. Materialism is not about having stuff, it's whenever stuff has you. See, I have this Apple watch, but this Apple watch doesn't have me. I just got at this last week. I love it. I love Apple. I have a love hate relationship with them, but it doesn't have me. See, you need to be able to hold on to things without holding on to them. Where anything in your life that God sees and he says, hey, I need, I need to take that from you, you. Say, God, for sure, take it. I don't need it because I don't become so attached to the temporary because my heart is with Jesus. Everything that I have in my life, Jesus, I'm going to say it to you right now, Jesus. Everything that I have in my life, Father God, whether it's my car, whether it's my house, God, it's my clothes, whatever it is, Jesus, How much, however much money I have, whether I make, God, $3,000 a month or, God, $300,000 a month, God, whether it's three hundred, dollars whatever it is, Jesus, I give it to you because you deserve it all, Jesus. If you want me to take off my shirt and give it to a homeless person, I'll do it. If you want to give money to somebody that's in need i'll do it why because i don't hold on to it because i don't have god i have stuff but it doesn't have me this life is temporary this life is short that car cannot save you that money cannot save you and whenever you die and you leave this earth that bank account can't save you no matter how fat it is there's only one and his name is jesus christ and he came and he died for you and whoever believes that jesus is lord with all their heart and they declare with his mouth that he was risen from the dead they shall be saved see the Holy Ghost will set your fire will set your soul on fire for God but You say to yourself hi Caleb you know you don't know what I've done this past, in my past you don't know how people see me I don't have to know all I know is that God has a plan he has a purpose and he has a destiny for your life it's never too late to come back to Jesus it's never too late, and there's no secret. It's just sacrificed. Wasn't the Apostle Paul that said, I urge you, brothers and sister, sisters, to present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. It's just a sacrifice. Do we have any people in here? You can go ahead and stand to your feet. We're about to close right now. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I'm going to give the mic over. I'm going to pray over people right now that may have felt like their fire has died out, where you've allowed things in your life, maybe one of those things on the screen, maybe it's something else in your... Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.